Rogue Table Talks number 79 is about to begin. Hold on to your apparel. That's right. You're used to waiting in these past few days, but wait no more. Yeah. Here's Rogue Table Talks right. 79. Right. <laughs> you've, been, you've been sitting in despair, <laughs> dark room, silent, despondent, rocking back and forth, <laughs> silently weeping. <laughs> right. Here's my RTT. I can't wait. Well, it's here. It's here, people. We are here. We're back. Uh, RTT number 79. And we're going to talk about, uh, again, these sort of uh, encounters with Jesus, interactions with Jesus, uh, talking about the life of Jesus. And there's uh, a, a couple of uh, episodes in, I think, all the Synoptic Gospels maybe all the gospels. I don't know if there's one in John, but basically the calling of disciples or the calling of followers. And there's, there's, um, more than even just the disciples, there's the calling of people, uh, to follow. And so kind of, I want to start there. Like, what does it mean to be called or to have a call or to sense a call? Although, you know, what is that what does that word mean? We use the word call and it's sort of an interesting word, you know, in common use, there's somebody who had a calling Mm -hmm. and it's usually to something that's, it doesn't necessarily have to be Christian. Of course, people have had a calling to, um, you know, work at a volunteer at a food pantry or something. Yeah. Be a teacher, uh, yeah. or people use it, or teacher, you know, or, or whatever. We yeah. use that term. So, what what are people saying? What do they mean? Do you think when people say that? I think I think I, you know, yeah, you know, believers, unbelievers, secular doesn't. People use this type of language, and I think they usually have the assumption of. I, I exist here on the earth, whether I feel like I was created or whether I don't believe in that at all, but there's probably, I have something to do. I have something to contribute, something to give back. I'm wired a certain way and I have a, I have a calling. I need to find my calling. Often they mean career path. Um, you know, that interchanges with vocation, uh, a bit. What's my vocation or my calling? So I think that's typically what people mean. I'm I, I'm here to do something. I'm supposed to do something. Yeah, purpose, mm-hmm. uh, and beyond a purpose that implies something of significance, something of meaning, something of import. You could translate it into, you know, maybe some people who marched in uh, protests. Uh, whether one agrees with what they're protesting or not, there perhaps was a sense of calling in fact you heard people say that that i felt like it's something i needed to do mm-hmm. uh you know uh some people have you know you i look at being a parent as calling or um so it's something that seems tied to significance and purpose but also something that can be quite um common or or you know ordinary sounds uh, demeaning, but something that is not just for a few people. That's something everyone should have, or would be good for everyone to have. And if you look at people, you know, 
you know, aimless um, young people, you know, whatever stereotypical aimless people, it's because they don't have a call, mm-hmm, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe the appeal of some of these causes is politics is uh, maybe appeal of politics is that gives a sense of purpose, uh, absent of some other uh, call. Uh, in the Christian perspective, sometimes you hear it in the you know, what is the vocational call? I don't know. You've probably been asked this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, describe your call to ministry. Or sometimes when you, you know, when you're, when a church, you know, a church is going to hire you, that's an, you know, like, tell me, tell, tell what's your call? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you, you know? Yeah, that's right. And I've always had a, <laughs> Go ahead. It's a weird question. Like, I don't really have a great answer right. to that. And I'm not really sure what always people mean. I think, you know, I think about it in a few different ways. Some people, what's your call to ministry? Um, some people want you to have kind of a burning bush experience. Like, so, hey, so we know you're called so that you'll be good at this um, or you'll be faithful here or something like that. Um, I'm, maybe that's true for you as well, that that wasn't quite your experience. It's not quite my experience. Um, just felt like my surrendered life to God led me into this place and feel like if I didn't work at a church, I'd still try to be the same person doing some of the same things. But uh, so that's that's a little bit of my view uh, on that. And and the other thing that's a little tricky for the, hey, do you feel called? I mean, I've I've been in, in, inter- interacted with people that say they're called and I feel called and I'm called to ministry, but they're um, but their character is, is really challenged, really off. And, you know, um, it just seems like first just be called to be a good Christian. And, you know, I feel called to ministry, uh, it pr- may not be, it wasn't the same for me in St. Louis there, but I'm experiencing a lot of it here. It, it, it means I'm going to build a big, um, preaching platform. I'm going to build a big social platform and I want a lot of people to watch my videos and, follow me and like me and I'm going to build a brand. And, um, mm-hmm. often that's on the heels of, mm-hmm. I feel called to, to do this. Yeah. So that's interesting. I think that's a whole nother subtopic maybe sure. for, <laughs> for pastors only where it maybe gives is a permission giving structure to do a bunch of stuff that someone else might say, well, that's just all about you. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. And you're all, no, I'm just following my call to be, a megastar. Right. Yeah. Felt, I don't want to be a megastar. Are you kidding? <laughs> I just followed my call. <laughs> this wasn't up to me. I was chosen. I was chosen. <laughs> I yes, do tend I'd to be pouring it on and it was up to me. I, I do tend to think about um, it with, um, you know, when Peter says we, we've all been called to the priesthood, essentially, because mm-hmm. we're all yeah. set apart, holy chosen people. I do tend to think, and I think this is more Catholic language, but I, I do tend to think it's pretty accurate that there's a specific priesthood, if you will, and then a, a general priesthood, that there are mm-hmm. people who are specifically called to vocational you know, ministry or missions or pastors, but, the, but everyone has a calling to be a um, mediator of the knowledge of God, if you will, a, a, a male or female general priesthood of we're all, mm-hmm. we're all this community of faith that's meant to live that out. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, we think of a call as something specific, something that is in a certain location, in a certain profession, in a certain whatever. And there, as you said, there might be some element of that. But whether there is or isn't, there's certainly a general call 
to whatever your location, whatever your vocation situation, location, vocation, that you're called to be a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to inevitably mean leaving things behind, even if you don't physically go anywhere or don't physically change jobs, you're leaving something behind and you're going in a new direction. I think, and I think that's how, you know, the, the episodes in the gospels, when we read of the disciples being called, we often, I think, view it only in the first, through the first lens Mm -hmm. instead of, no, I think this is in the scripture for all of us. And it's sort of, of a piece with, you know, Peter getting a call and Matthew getting a call is not categorically different from Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we understand the Zacchaeus one, maybe. So let's look at, maybe look at one or two of those. Um, in Luke 5, uh, we have this episode where we see uh, Simon, Simon Peter, not called Peter yet, uh, uh, with James and John and, uh, they're, you know, fishing as Jesus is by the lake. Uh, Luke five, starting in verse one, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So this is a, uh, I think, a pretty familiar passage. Uh certainly for believers i think you would you know if you're look if somebody dramatizes the life of jesus this is often included you know in those jesus uh depictions because it's a dramatic uh scene for sure um and there's a lot going on uh and so what do you think um so here's a situation where they're leaving their profession and following uh jesus uh but they're this sense of why, why does Jesus ask them? They fished all night, didn't catch anything. Why does Jesus ask them to, hey, fish some more? <laughs> like, <what> is, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting, like, we're so familiar with the story. It's like, okay, that's a, a kind of a strange request. And you can see Peter going, well, we, we fished all night and didn't catch anything. Yeah. And, and so then, then, of course, they do. And there's a, there's a miracle that, you know, they catch so many fish, uh, that it's not just sinking one boat, it's sinking two. They're so full. Um, and there's a moment where it's like Simon, Simon, Peter, 
like it dawns on me. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like this is about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. This isn't about just getting lucky. Well, I think it's, I mean, one answer would be to, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's, uh, it seems like there's quite a bit more signs, wonders, um, miracles. Um, I wonder if it's legitimizing his call to the disciples to discipleship and to us to discipleship. It's a, it's a legitimizing who is this person that asks me to follow. And I think that Jesus is putting on display um, because I don't think it's about the fish, right? It's not about economic gain fish. These guys making money off of the catch. It's about something bigger, legitimizing who is this that's with us. And what is he going to call and ask us to do? So to, to I think it's the beginning of uh, Bonhoeffer's um, call to discipleship. It's, it's not about the call. It's about the one who calls. And we're yeah. called into so that's part of it, to think, Jesus. Yeah, I think that's right. So along with every other miracle, you know, one of the main points of every miracle is it points to Jesus as the, as the, son of God, the divine one, the, you know, the Lord of the universe, uh, who can still the seas and walk on water and, you know, produce a ridiculous catch of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there's something about the, the response of Peter is interesting where he just, it's, it's like you said, he realizes who he is in the presence mm-hmm. of, like he finally gets it fully and he's his own sinfulness in, in the presence of the Holy one overwhelms him. And that's what he says. I mean, it's you, again, being familiar with the passage is sometimes we miss, you know, when Simon Peter sort of figures out what's going on, what he does is he goes to Jesus, falls down at, you know, at his feet and says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Yeah. It's somewhat reminiscent of, for me, of Isaiah six with Isaiah's call of, he sees presumably Christ on the throne and the seraphim and the angels shouting, holy, holy, holy. And then he, he confesses his sin. I'm a person of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Like, woe is me. It's not quite the same, but it's a similar reaction. Go away from me, Lord. I'm sinful. Isaiah calls down woes upon himself because he's seen who God is. I think there's probably an important element of what it means to be called in there in that, um, when Isaiah says that, it's not like the God says, "Ah, oh, you know, don't worry, you're fine." <laughs> right, right, right. Right. He takes a coal and purifies him. Like, yeah, no, that's true. But I'm calling you anyway, mm-hmm. and I'm the one who can call you and equip you for the call. Jesus doesn't say to Peter, "Ah, don't worry, you're not sinful. Right. You're not so bad. Right. You know, chin up, chin up, fella. <laughs> it's gonna be fine." He doesn't say that. Uh, it's the sense of no, you. That's who I'm calling. I'm calling you in your sinfulness, in your imperfect. I'm not calling you because you're worthy. You know, Isaiah says I'm unworthy, and 
Peter says, I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. Like, I, I don't want to sully your holiness by mm -hmm. my presence. And Jesus is saying, God's saying, well, I'm, that's who I'm calling. I'm calling you in your imperfection, in your sin. Part of the call is going to be a call then to transformation, a call to cleansing, a call to a purpose and a significance to you, not conditioned on you not being sinful. Right. Uh, in other words, it's not, a, it's not, because I do feel like we can do this when we say vocational call. It's like, it's not some sort of, stamp of approval on you're good enough to be called uh none of the calls have that sense at all in the in the scripture i'm calling you despite your sinfulness in your sinfulness through your sinfulness and i'm going to transform your sinfulness as part of the call like part of the call of simon peter is not that just that simon peter does stuff for the kingdom but that he becomes the object of the work of the kingdom as well as the means of the work of the kingdom, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting how P Jesus also uses this miracle as a metaphor for their calling. Um, yes. And, you know, you say here in the notes, how's it, how's it similar? I think one thing that's similar is where this is a general call for all of us. Um, from now on, you will fish for people or now on you will, um, you know, preach the gospel, evangelize, be winsome to people. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a that's interesting. He uses that miracle as a metaphor for this is this is w what it's like. This is what living as a as a disciple. One aspect is going to be like. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, one might read into that as well as I am the source of your fruitfulness. Um, I will make you fruitful. Uh, I will make you successful uh, in the call. And maybe partly implied, like all the fish you ever caught, I mean, I've always been the one yeah. who's provided you fruitfulness. Like, it's not because you're clever. Um, you know, I've always been the one providing uh, I'm, I'm going to provide in this new arena uh, and I'm going to give you a deeper significance. Um, let me jump then to a completely different uh, calling, if you will, mm -hmm. or it seems completely different, but there's similarities to it. Same chapter and it's Levi or, you know, who we later know as Matthew. Uh, I mean, you know, we can talk about getting, getting renamed uh, <laughs> perhaps another time or uh, but it's Luke 5, starting at verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have... Not, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, so how is this di different or similar, similar, different than the call of Simon Peter and James and John? Mm -hmm. What sticks out to you? But I mean, it just seems, again, if you can just picture it, 
like I don't know that I've seen this depicted dramatically like I've seen the other ones depicted dramatically but right here's Levi Matthew sitting at a tax collector booth which is a symbol of not only Roman oppression but corruption mm-hmm. and kind of uh it's a power it's a position of power and influence that's also tainted and dirty because you know people were charged extra and the tax collectors kept and all that stuff right so there you're in a is. position of uh betrayal to the jewish people because you work for rome right. and you're taxing Collaboration. right you're taxing extra and you have a nice house and all of this because of us so yeah it's uh the, that that mere tension is enough to be a little bit in awe of Jesus' interaction with him. Yeah. And follow me may not just be scandalizing the Pharisees and teachers of the law, but maybe other people. Who, right. What is this? So I think right. similarities you see, they're both, both Peter and the disciples and then uh, Levi here are, you could say they're in a certain vocation. And so they're getting called to a different vocation. I think for them specifically, that's how it might differentiate from a general call. We, we may be, you know, people listening may be called mm-hmm. to, to vocational ministry. I think these are that, but it's also inclusive of the general call uh, to discipleship. And both of them have the, the sin element. Both of them have the, um, sense of who is calling me and am I, am I worthy to follow this person? Um, or, you know, being in this person's presence confronts me in my own sinfulness, um, right. or it confronts something yeah. at the very least. Yeah. There's nothing inherent in fishing that's sinful, right. but you get Peter's confession of go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Uh, Levi or Matthew here doesn't say anything, but he's involved in what is widely associated with a sinful practice. Um, that's sort of uh, implicated in the whole thing. Not like if you work in the IRS today, it doesn't mean it's sinful. <laughs> but back then, it, it, you know, people got money. They were able to collect taxes and, you know, no questions asked. They would they would collect more and keep and keep some of it for, uh, for themselves. Um but you, so you get the sense of getting up and leaving. Um, you know, th- there's probably a lot of, I mean, he had, this is probably not the first he'd heard of Jesus. So he's probably been like, who is this person? Who is this guy? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. He walks up to him, calls him. Um, and then he has him over for a party mm-hmm. uh, with all his sinner friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that scandalizes the the the, the Pharisees. Um, like, what what's going on there? Um, and that's an interesting uh, element of uh, a call, perhaps. That I think it's not just a call to leave all of your whole life behind, but a call to follow Jesus in the life you're living like he doesn't have to disown all his sinner friends right 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 follow jesus in fact he invites jesus over to a party with all his sinner friends with yep. him yeah and there's probably something there for us right i think so i i don't i mean i was taught that quite a bit 
growing up. Um, and I heard that taught to other people um, when they become, what? Uh, when you become a Christian, yeah, yeah you needed to, uh, you know, the, you needed to leave the old ways. And that didn't just include, you know, your sinful practices or whatever, but it was the people who influenced you to be like that. And you just don't really find that on a wholesale strong teaching in the scripture. You see this here. You also see Jesus' ministry template of connecting with people who felt like outsiders. With Jesus around, they felt more like insiders than the insiders did. And then you see Paul in Corinthians saying, um, I'm not I'm not instructing people to not associate with outsiders, you know. If that was that was the case, you wouldn't have anyone to, you know, be winsome to. So, um, yeah, I think that's an interesting statement of Levi's life change was also meant to be shared with his, his friends, his co-workers, um, you know. And that I think that's <clears throat> it, that would be something in common with like Zac- Zacchaeus's call, mm-hmm. uh, which he wasn't called to be a disciple, later apostle. Uh, he was just some dude who was also a tax collector. And the same sort of thing happens uh, where Jesus invades his social life, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Um, and I do think that's an interesting there's a call there's a i think in the american church there's almost a purify purification uh it, which i i think is right i mean we are going to be purified uh are purified uh by the blood of christ and equipped to you know minister in his name to be his ambassador but sometimes that's translated into I must withdraw from all that is impure, which is the opposite of what the New Testament teaches. Um, And I've heard, and you've probably heard this, where people are in, let's say they're in a difficult job situation where there's a lot of unbelievers and they're surrounded by unbelievers. And, you know, I'm praying for a different job situation where I can work with Christians. Uh Yeah, I've heard that. And not that that's necessarily a bad situation to be in a job where you work with Christians, but that's not... Um, you know, you might, that might be, in fact, your call, Mm -hmm. actually, Mm -hmm. you might be called to that place to actually be the light in front of, you know, like in, in, in the presence of these people who are difficult to be the light, you know, in front of, um, and we, so we see that here where, um, you know, Levi's not self-conscious of, or maybe he is, but it doesn't stop him from you know, integrating Jesus into the world he's already living mm-hmm. in. Uh, right. Well, you see Jesus, I like you mentioned Paul, it's the same, same idea. idea. Uh, you know, how, how contrary, uh, I guess counter cultural, not in a good way, would it have been for Jesus to lay down this ministry template of fellowshipping with outsiders, meal sharing, tax collector sinners. And then those very people that come to him, abandon their friends and don't share meals right. with tax collectors and sinners and don't fellowship with people that feel like they're on the outside. Um, it just seems it defeats, it defeats the purpose. The purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what he says. I come 
not to call the righteous. I mean, the, I, you know, the doctor is there for the sick, not the healthy. And I think that's a signal to, if we're, if we're called to follow Jesus, then that has to be our philosophy as mm-hmm. well, that we need to interact with sinners, of course, because we are called to, um, you know, bring the gospel to people who need it. Uh, or display the gospel to people who need to see it, or embody the gospel for people who need to experience it. That's part of what we're called to. Uh, again, m- moving away from simply, I'm called to believe some mm-hmm. things. Uh, with the, you know, um, and I think there's a there's a lot of us that uh, in our culture, I think that's that's difficult. And so it, it's almost easier, cleaner, less messy to start over, only be around Christians and not have to worry about the messy conversations or, or the embarrassing conversations or, um, and I don't know what the, you know, what the cultural reality would have been like for, for Levi here, but there's no, there appears to be none of that. I'm now following, Hey, I'm having a party. Come on over. Yeah. Uh, and all the people there. Uh, are just going to be there. Um, you know, there's something that's very simple and kind of obvious about it, but also something that's, I mean, there's part of the objection of the Pharisees that we understand, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh yeah, that does seem wrong. <laughs> it isn't wrong. Yeah, it does seem wrong. Right? It does. It does. Yeah, there's part of us and it's probably the, you know, Luke 15, the elder brother spirit that can, you know, arise within us, any of us at any time of, yeah, you're throwing a party for who? The one who squandered and, you know, gave you the obscene gesture and left your home and spent the inheritance and he's just been out on the streets and now you're throwing a party? This doesn't seem right. Right. Aren't we encouraging bad behavior? That's right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Shouldn't you, shouldn't a good parent would punish him, discipline him. You got it. Absolutely. Got to condemn that. Um, yeah. And I think, um, there's, there's something there that probably is true. Um, that, yeah, there, that does that, that's something that does deserve condemnation. Um, but all of that, you know, that's not my job to condemn, uh, that the condemnation is, as Paul says, there's no condemnation for those in Christ because Christ has experienced the condemnation for us. I think that, and I think just wrestling with the basic gospel fact that the sin is being paid for. There's like, there's, you know, whatever punishment is due here is being experienced. It's just not all being experienced by the, the wrongdoer. Mm-hmm which we're totally fine with in our case. And, but it's hard to see how it seems unfair. It seems like somebody's getting away with something. Um, and, uh, it, nobody get, nobody's getting away with it. Um, and you know, Jesus is, you know, the gospel is that this condemnation that is deserved, it's not being overlooked. It's being experienced by Jesus. And in that we're called to other, other people who, um, without the gospel will experience condemnation. Uh, and you know, 
being an agent of, uh, of calling them into the, the gospel. Uh, and I think, I, I mean, I have to wrestle with that, that, that reality of, I didn't earn anything. I'm not here cause I'm good. I'm not called cause I'm mm-hmm. good. Like it's all the gospel applies to me. And of course, the more I wrestle with that, the easier it is to offer it to somebody else, which Matthew does here seems seemingly just seamlessly, mm-hmm. just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, seamlessly kind of calls Jesus into, into his friend circle. Uh, well, you said, you know, we have, to, we have to wrestle with that. That that's important. Verse 31. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You know, if it were up to the Pharisees who Jesus levels this charge at, who do not think they need a doctor, then Levi would never be called. And there would be no spiritual banquet. There would be no feast. There would be no party where the presence of Jesus can be. Because if it's up to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, there are, everyone else is out. And, and I think to wrestle with that ourselves, does that show up in us? where we're afraid of uh, people getting away with it. We're afraid of people, well, we got to teach them this is immorality. And and I don't think that's not true. It's just the question of in what what order? Um, How does it work? Um, And I think I I taught on fear this last Sunday. Um, I think, you know, most people think fear is a core driver. Fear and love are two core drivers for all other actions, behaviors, motives, and things. Um, you see anger coming uh, out of fear. You see jealousy coming out of fear, insecurity. So to me, one of the things the Pharisees and teachers of the law really have to wrestle with, and we as well, is maybe they're deeply, deeply afraid. What are they afraid of? And I, not to get us off course here, but what am I afraid of? If, I'm, if I've been called... And my calling is to interact with uh, others well, people who don't claim to believe in God or maybe want to be around God, I'm going to have to wrestle with that internal fear, whether it's I fear they might lead me off course. I f- I'm afraid that I might give them permission. I'm afraid, I don't know, whatever it is, what are we, what are we afraid of in that call? Because I think that the teachers of the law are deeply afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes me think of a uh, there's a comedy sketch I saw a long time ago, and I don't remember who it, who it was. Um, and it was you know some comedy sketch, so probably inappropriate. <laughs> uh, but it's basically these these German these Nazi soldiers in World War II who are it's like slowly dawning on them that maybe they're the bad people. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's kind of a comical thing. Like, why do we have skull and crossbones on our helmets? Are we the bad ones? <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's the, like, who do we, I think the fear is that, that we have been the good ones all mm-hmm. along. I'm afraid of being revealed as really, I'm one of the bad ones. You know, I'm the healthy, mm-hmm. right? I'm the healthy. Uh, yeah. Ben's calling me right now. Um, I'm the healthy one. Um, that you know, I'm afraid that I maybe aren't. I'm not healthy. I'm afraid maybe I'm not. I'm afraid that and whatever I've worked really hard to put forth to get me acceptable may not be enough. 
which the reality is that that that's true. Right. That's right. Yeah. So the gospel is there to speak to that fear of, no, you're actually not good enough. No, you're actually not healthy. You are the sick. Uh, and I think that's the, you know, to, to maintain that perspective, we're called to, we're called into spiritual health, but we're called in because of Christ and that, you know, I'm not healthy because of me. Uh, so when I'm speaking to fellow unhealthy people, there's a sense of which, you know, I know where that, I know where that is. I know that's, uh, partly who I am and I'm only not that because of Christ, uh, that, you know, I do think we want to divide people up just to good people and the bad people. And we need to identify ourselves as the good people. Uh, if anything, that's what the Pharisees represent. And we all, I mean, Peter says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. There's some element of accepting the gospel. There's some of that that's like core to accepting the gospel. Like I need the gospel. And that's a core realization of the call. Um, and, you know, we can forget that, yeah. uh, I think, and and then we're much less useful. Um, so, in the last minute here or so, uh, what do we what do we say to just the um, the non vocational called people, the uh, the people who are Christ followers, who are you know uh, are, are in the home or at school or whatever? What is what does a call mean to them? practically how would you explain that like this is what you're called generally yeah, generally i i think it's the call to discipleship so both of these uh stories and narratives here the general call to follow jesus to to turn from my sinful lifestyle doesn't mean necessarily i have a vocation change because a vocation in and of itself may not necessarily be sinful but um uh, arguably Levi's was corrupt, but uh, it's it's a general call to submission to the Lordship of Christ and then to follow him in his his ministry footsteps. Um, and I think I think there's that wide lane to run in. And then I think you get Jesus says, you know you're you're a unique person, you're an image bearer, you have your own creativity and innovation, you know, you 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 help figure this out too. You wrestle with this. What living out your calling in this day and age is going to look like? You put some, you know, skin in the game and put some mental effort towards. Here's your call. Be a Christ follower and love others and do it well. But in that in that template on those boundaries, you know, play with it a bit. What what does it work? What works? And how does it work for you? And how do you live out your unique calling in the world? Yeah, and I think a, uh, along with that, a useful question would be, you know, as you know, from the perspective of eternity, what what will you want to look back on? What is eternally focused, and how much of your life is in that um, realm or mindful of that? Uh, which usually won't mean a vocation change. You you know, usually won't mean any sort of circumstantial change, it will mean a transformation of me in the life that I'm living, you know, in the marriage that I'm in, in the family that I'm in, in the job that I'm in, in the community that I'm in, in the church that I'm in. It will mean uh, becoming more like Christ and inviting Christ into 
the gospel into this transformation into other different uh, situations. Uh, and so I think partly what I would, you know, you said it at the very beginning, we're called to be good Christians. You said it just now, it's a call to discipleship where that to me is the main part of the call. I'm called to become more like Christ. I'm called to die. I'm called to deny myself and follow daily, pick up my cross. Mm -hmm. Like that's the main core part of it. Um, and in doing that, then almost anything else that I'm doing becomes an expression of the call. And if I don't do that, I could be in vocational ministry and not living out my call. Right. Uh, so in some ways I think it's pretty simple, uh, in that sense where, yeah, we're called to, uh, deny myself, pick up my cross, follow, be a living sacrifice, uh, be inhabited by the spirit, bear the fruit of the spirit, and then live the life that I'm in, in that way. And that becomes how I'm living at my call, first and foremost. And if I don't do that, then, you know, I could be a preacher and not living out my right. call well or rightly. Right. So, so. Um, so that's it. I think it's a call. It's a call to be more like Christ, and I think that we'll, we'll leave we'll leave everyone with that, where He calls us in our unChristlikeness, so that we can be transformed. Uh, and uh, He believes in that. Uh, he believes in His ability to do that. So, you know, that we can have the faith that He will continue to transform us, and He'll complete the work uh, that He's begun. So, with that encouraging word. Uh, let's walk in transformation and then live at our call. My grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.